where we should be, shall be, will be. And we have been. <laughs> so I hum it. <laughs> oh, boy. Happy Father's Day. Good morning. Good morning. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity of being here. Really, really do. And hi, all those in TV land, uh, Zoom land. Is there anybody there? If we don't know. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of exciting things. Two people. Who are they? Well, we're happy you're here, you folks uh, in Zoom land. Uh, we're glad you're here. A lot, of, a lot of exciting things taking place and about to take place uh, in the Ezekiel Project. So we're, we're excited. We've got our seminar coming up in New York, and we've got three students. <laughs> and uh, we're excited. Uh, three students beats two students, which beats one student, which beats no students. So we're, we're really thrilled. And... Uh, we have an older clientele, so in other words, they're, they're older, they're older students. And, uh, so, and also, we're going online, so we have actually, actually, forgive me, we have five students, and uh, possibly more, because we're going online. Uh, and we're getting uh, the OWL system. Is that hard to get? No. Yeah, the OWL system. And it's uh, really, we've had a, a great amount of interest uh, from people across the, the fruited plain, to quote Rush Limbaugh. And uh, it's really, really been good. Really been good. <clears throat> hey, let me ask you a question. Uh, how, do you, how do you guys pray? You know, you have this really weird view. I, I did, I, being raised uh, uh, a particular denomination or a particular church group in which prayer, you know, hey, pray. And I hear this all the time. I hear it from unsaved people. I hear it from atheists. Uh, pray. Pray for this. Pray for that. What, what, is, what is it, you know? And uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, when people, they have a whole different view of prayer. You'll have Muslims asking you to pray. We pray five times, is it seven times for, five times for Islam? And, and uh, you have the, the Christians asking for prayer, and we prayed this morning, and, and uh, we asked for that, and and it's it's an interesting interesting concept, and the different ways people the different ways people pray. I was thinking of um, what uh, Martin Luther did, and I had a friend of mine that did the same thing in Mexico. Went up the cathedral steps; they were cement steps going up, and he went on his knees. So far was it by the time he got to the top, his knees were bloody. And he thought that that was uh, a prayer type of situation. 
and uh, it's not, but it's it's hard. It's hard to uh, hard to think about that. And also today is Father's Day, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard today is Father's Day, and I was thinking to myself as we were as I've been pondering uh, about what to speak on. And I thought, it's Father's Day. Has anybody, anybody ever done a message on God the Father? Anybody ever said, thank you, Father, for being my father? You know, we get grills. Uh, Ace Hardware is that's a big day. Father's Day is a big day for grills. Get father a grill, you know. And get this and get that and, and all this kind of junk. And I don't know if you fathers out there who have kids, and uh, that's what makes you a father, really. Uh, you generate children. And um, so you, you wonder, what am I getting for Father's Day? You guys wonder that? This is a really dead crowd here. <laughs> you guys are like, okay. All right, so you, you wonder about this. And so I'd like us to look at a passage of Scripture that talks about, about these two items. And the two items that I'd like us to look at, well, it's in Matthew 6. Matthew 6. We have a convergence of prayer and Father's Day. Uh, converging right here for us. And uh, when you look at Matthew 6 and 7, you're under, especially chapter 6, you start to really grasp what the Father has done for us. What God the Father has done for us. Now, <clears throat> we, when we look at, when we look at the doctrine of the Trinity, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, etc., can be worshipped, order doesn't matter, um, but there's God the Father, three distinct personalities within one nature, and, and so you have God the Father, and it's really interesting, God the Son is teaching us, is teaching us, and through uh, and I, in preparing for this, going through Matthew 6, what an incredible blessing. And if you look at it from the aspect of what the Father has done for us and what he wants to do for us, you go, wow, wow. Now, it's really interesting. You know, Father's Day is supposed to, to honor fathers to honor fathers. And uh, when we honor somebody, it is, uh, depending on how, I guess, how much you want to honor, but it's based off of, based off of uh, a situation in which that father is revered because that father's character is incredible. And so they look at, they, you, you look at your uh, father and you say, man, I, I really want to revere my, my father because he is, he is such a great father. 
Well, you look through Matthew 6 and 7, it even says if, if you, you fathers who know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you? How much more? So if there's anybody that gets revered, I mean really revered and honored, it's God the Father. It's God the Father. He generated us. Plus, when we think about Father, fatherhood, we think about um, our relationship with him. We're born again. Isn't that amazing? This is amazing to me. I'd like us to, we're going to look at Romans chapter 6, and specifically, I'm not going to read all of 6, uh, I'd love to. I, I think we'll leave that up to you, but I want to look at, at verse nine, verses 9 through 13. And this is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And so we're so grooved, we're so grooved with the idea that uh, this prayer is, is a prayer that we recite and somehow it it's fantastic. And that's not at all what it is. The Lord's Prayer is John 17. The Lord's Prayer is when he prays in John 17, and he prays for us, he prays for the world, he prays, there's a lot of, lot of stuff in John 17. That's the Lord's Prayer. This is really the disciples' prayer. And as he's going through Matthew 6, contextually speaking, you look at this, and he's talking about uh, look at verse. Look at verse seven. This is, and when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the pagans do. Oh man, <laughs> I remember first reading that after after getting saved in my former affiliation, religious affiliation, and that just like an arrow right through the heart. Vain repetitions. You know, I'd go to confession. And the priest would say, I want 45,000 Our Fathers and 38,000 Hail Marys. And, uh, you know, you'd have to have a clicker. I could say those things so fast, it was unbelievable. You know, just to get them done. And when I read vain repetitions, I'm going, that's exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly what I did. I'm doing this vain repetitions over and over. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just... Marking it, you know? Did I get those? Did I get them in? And that was to help absolve my sin. It was penance uh, to absolve my sin. He says, But when you prayed, use not vain repetitions as the pagans do. (laughs) For they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Hmm. Be Be not you therefore like unto them. For your father, listen to this, for your father knows what you have need of even before you ask. Isn't that, now that's an attentive father. That's a father who really is attentive. He knows what it is. He knows the situation. He sees, he can, he can read you. He knows exactly what the situation is in your life and he knows how to provide and to minister to you even before you 
No, this is what I should ask for. Ain't this a kicker? And then he goes into verse 9 and says, after this manner, after this way, the Net Bible puts it, after this particular way, here's what you should do. Therefore, pray our Father. Our Father. Now this is not, this is not, this is a reverent our Father. This is a reverent a reverence. This is, he's teaching us how to pray. And so, the, the, you know, what we have to do is we have to do, we have to understand that the, when we call the Lord's Prayer, it's really the disciples' prayer, speaks to us of four aspects of prayer that we must understand and incorporate into our lives. And what are these aspects? Well, the Lord's Prayer, quote-unquote, the Lord's Prayer, speaks of a relationship. <laughs> Ain't that a kicker? Uh, we tell people, oh, yes, I don't have religion, I have a relationship with God. You know, we tell people that. But the question is, have we cultivated that relationship? Have we really cultivated that relationship? And um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by what I just said because I think to myself, is my relationship with God as deep as I want it to be? Hmm. And that's progressive sanctification. That's growth. We grow into our relationships. We do this with our spouses, if you're married. And uh, we do this with girlfriend, boyfriend, if you're not married yet. And you're, you know, you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, I want to I get to know you. I want to get to grow with you. And that's that old saying, you can get it, uh, cracker barrel, you know, come grow old with me, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, you look at this and you say, well, that's, that's really cool. But you still get to know, you still get to grow. I'm still finding out things about Barb, and she's finding out things about me. And uh, so you, you look at this and you say, wow, we're growing, we're growing old together, we're knowing each other, but, but with God, it's unfathomable. In other words, you cannot completely fathom. And even through eternity, we're going to get to know him. Through eternity. And we will not know him completely. Because we'd have to be God to know God in the completed way, in a complete way. Uh, so we'll continue to grow in our relationship. And so when we say, when he tells us, our Father, he's talking about this relationship. And it's an honoring relationship. It's not a diminutive relationship. Now, Barb said to me, uh, last night she goes, you better, you better just better get down what diminutive means. Uh, because if you don't get diminutive down, nobody's going to, what, what's diminutive? What, what do you think, Jay? What's diminutive mean to you? Who knows? See, that's the thing. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I'm going, eh, yes, it's diminutive. Did you know that the Hebrew, Greek, and uh, Aramaic do not have, the languages do not have uh, where you can be diminutive. 
There's no diminutiveness in Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. Um, I just found this out. I just found this out. I, and uh, my professor at Dallas said to me, said that I just took an intensive, and one was on, on this very issue. And he said, Hebrew does not have a diminutiveness. Uh, or, and I, I actually looked it up. Um, it says, just as diminish means to grow smaller, diminutive means very small. When writing about language, diminutive as both an adjective and a noun referred to a particular endings and the words made with them to indicate smallness. In English, such endings include et, et, or e-t-t-e, uh, like piglet, dinette. When you think of dinette, you don't think of a huge thing. You think of piglet, little, you know, whatever. And then uh, cigarette, that's a cigar that's smaller, and it's a cigarette. Uh, a diskette, as well as I-E and Y, like doggy, or booty, or Bobby, or Debbie, okay? It's a diminutive form. However, diminutives are more common in many other languages, but not Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic. And there's a specific reason for telling you that. Uh, so it's not diminutive at, uh, at all. And uh, when you have God, or the Lord Jesus telling us, our Father, He's talking about a relationship in terms of real honor. Incredible honor that we would bestow on the Lord. Um, We see this, Mark 14.35. Would you mind turning there? Mark 14.35. You have the Lord Jesus in his first prayer in... Uh, after, after the Lord's Supper, and he's in the agony, he's in agony in the garden. He says to his father, and it says, and he went a little forward, forward a little, and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father. So Abba is Aramaic. Father is father, pater in the Greek, but you know, and they, they don't, they just put Abba in the Greek. They just, that's what it is, Abba. It's Aramaic. It means father. So what he is saying, and it's for you Greek people, it's in the vocative. Y'all remember what the vocative is? <laughs> you remember what the vocative, okay. The vocative is like, the vocative is, hey, Larry! That would be in the vocative. It's a strong statement. It is a, it is a very strong statement. In the Greek, you have five tenses, and what we did was we didn't really study the vocative, but the vocative is really, uh, in, um, really an important thing. If I, if I want to show a lot of importance to it, I put it in the vocative. I want to show great importance to it. I put it in the vocative. 
This is in the vocative. Abba is in the vocative. In other words, what, as one guy translated this particular, uh, he said, it's like with a groan and with a, with a earnestness of incredible intensity. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. It's got the article there. And, oh, Father. Father. That's exactly what he said. He didn't say, oh, Daddy. He didn't say, oh, Papa. Uh, He said, oh, Father. His heart, he was giving honor and also his heart's cry. His heart's cry on this. Uh, You have two other passages. It's only mentioned three times in the New Testament and the Bible, actually, and in which you you give this honor uh, to, to, to the Father. And I thought to myself, this is the perfect day to talk about this. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. And notice when we look at Romans eight fifteen, why we can say, Abba, Father. Why we can say, Abba, Father. Our... Father, this is, this is of the highest honor that we can, we, can, we can mention. Our Father. And then notice in, in here it says, For as many as are led, verse 14, by the Spirit of God, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of adoption, or the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now I looked up in some commentaries on this and they said, Daddy and Papa, you know, that kind of thing. But that's, this is in the vocative. It's not, it's not going to know those. What this is doing, and, and I don't know why my professor, you know, spent a half hour on this. He said, we need to understand that this is, we're giving God incredible glory and honor when we say, Abba, Father. We're saying with all intensity and with relationship because we, we are now the sons of God. Why? Because we have been adopted into the family of God and He now is our Father. And we get to cry like like you know, any you know, child of God can cry, "Abba, Father." We give you the glory. We give you honor, and He is worthy of it. That's for sure. He is worthy of this. And in Galatians chapter six, verse four, same thing. Same thing. This is also in the vocative. Uh, when you when you look at it in the in the language, and I'm not I'm no dazzling Greek scholar, that's for sure. Can hardly say it. And um, did I? What did I say? Galatians. I said six four, huh? It's not six four. I used to be six four. 
Um, that's it. I, I'm reversed. Reversed vision. Yes. Chapter 4, verse 6. Yes. Yes. And because you are sons, okay, look, look at verse 4. But when you, the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I am a child of God. And then because you are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying. Crying. And that's, uh, that, is, that really is. It's a cry inside us. Abba, Father. And this again is in the vocative. And when you look at that, uh, from that standpoint, we come and he tells us, pray this, our Father. Why? Because we have a relationship with this God. What are the benefits of that relationship? We get to go boldly before the throne of grace. Just that. Just We, we get to go directly because we're believer priests and he's made us that way because we've trusted in his Son now we have this relationship with God. And now He is our Father. So I have, I have talked to people who have had bad relationships with their, fa- their earthly fathers, uh, etc. And that's where, when you look at Matthew 6, and 7, you start to say to yourself, wow, you know, um, I, I really, you know... Do I transpose my relationship with my earthly father on God? And the answer is no. You should never do that because my earthly father is weak and feeble. Our heavenly father, our father, we get to go into his presence all the time. He's 20, he dwells us. I believe the Trinity indwells us. So we have this relationship. And it's like no other relationship because we have the adoption of sons. We've been placed into the family of God. And so he's telling, Jesus is telling us, he says, how do you pray? How should you pray? Our hearts, our hearts have to be, I think, number one, right with God. If I regard iniquity, Psalm 66 tells me, uh, he will not hear my prayer. I regard iniquity in my heart. I'm still a child of God, but I'm an estranged child of God. I want to be a clean vessel. I want to be a person who is right with God and letting God have, you know, I want him to have everything in my life. And then I love it when he says in Roman, excuse me, uh, Matthew 6, 9, he says, Our Father who art in heaven. That's the King James action. And I think it's very poetic, but we have to remember who he is and give him the honor. We're not just going in there, oh God, you know, I mean, we can pray that. We can do that with with sincerity. We can pray these things with sincerity. But we really do not want to be flippant with him. In any way, we don't want to be flippant with him. It's an exclusive, 
an exclusive relationship that you have. You know, if you said, uh, you know, I know this guy, this famous guy, or I know this famous person, or, you know, that kind of thing, and you'd go, wow, that's cool. That is really cool. And, and if that famous person was really caring for you, and you'd go, wow, that person really cared for me. Uh, he, he or she just really was really, really ministered to us and that kind of thing. You'd, you'd give them honor. You wouldn't be flipping about it. You'd be going, don't talk bad about my friend, you know. Uh, don't talk bad about this at all. You want, you know, you want to put them up in a great light. Well, this is our God. Our Father. This is your Father. This is my Father. And then it's also, look at, look at verses, uh, look, at, look again at, at 5 through 7. Uh, of Matthew, and when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Verse five, for they love to pray stand, uh, pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, and that they may be seen by men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Then he teaches us in this these two chapters to pray privately. Go into your closet and pray. And he will answer you publicly. This is how our God is. But he doesn't, I mean, our God, our relationship with him is a humble relationship. We are humble. I mean, think about how God sent his son Jesus Christ. And we think of Philippians chapter 2, right? How he came and how he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. I mean, this is the very fact that he even thinks, I mean, the Bible teaches uh, clearly that his, when he thinks about the world, he has to humble himself. <laughs> you know, just to think about the world. And yet he sent his son to come into this world to die for this world, the world of men and women, and, and uh, paid the price for us. He humbled himself. So when we come and pray to this God, we humble ourselves. I think of what Peter said, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. And so this is a humbling, it's a humbling situation in which we've, it's a humbling relationship that we have with him. We are, we are just humbled. I, I think of John the Apostle with the Lord Jesus. He was the youngest of the, of the twelve. And uh, he uh, was in the inner three, Peter, James, and John. He was the youngest, probably the fastest. He beat Peter to the, to the tomb, right? And, I mean, you know, the youngest had good legs. And uh, so he, he just, he lived the longest. He's the only one of the 12 that did not die a martyr's death. Uh, but he suffered. He suffered greatly for the gospel. Isle of Patmos and then died in Ephesus. Uh, at, some say about 99 years of age, wrote, the Gospel of John, the Book of Revelation, and the Epistles. 
right? In the book of Revelation, he talks about how he sees the risen Christ. Right? Remember that? What, what happened when he saw him? Do you remember? He fell at his feet as dead. He didn't high-five him. He didn't go, how's the big man upstairs? <laughs> you know? He didn't do that. He fell at his feet as dead. Arguably, John, the apostle, uh, then the disciple, was the closest to the Lord. He was on the Lord's chest at the Last Supper. And he fell at his feet as dead. And I often think to myself, I really do, I often think to myself, because when I first, when I first became a Christian, I started reading uh, other books, and I should have just stuck with the Bible. But I was reading Watchman Nee, Andrew Murray, I was reading all these guys, and tr- starting to try to live the Christian life. And uh, my life was like this, you know, up and down. And then I, I put them all away. Do you remember that, Barb? I put all those books away, and I just had one edition of the Bible with no notes in it and just said, I'm just going to stick with this book. This is before I had this, this particular edition. Uh, and I did that, and all of a sudden my life started to stabilize. It was really interesting. Uh, just started to stabilize. And I really realized that the closer you get to him, the closer you get to him, the less you think of you. That's true. The less you think anything of yourself. The less you think, and it's true. It's a true humility. It's not the fake humility that people put out sometimes. You know, if they do something fantastic uh, for Christ, oh, well, you know, all the Lord, but they really don't mean that. It's when the guy and the, or the gal says, thanks, but, and they know clearly that the Lord worked, and they're giving glory to him. Our Father who art in heaven. And then it says, hallowed be thy name. Your name. Smile. Hallowed be your name. Lord, this is, this is just amazing. I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 138, if you would. Psalm 138. And when you look at this, this is, this is an amazing, uh, amazing verse, I think. Um, Look at Psalm 138, verse, well, we'll read verses 1 and 2. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods I will sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. And here is a killer verse. So he, he thinks a lot. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, right? And notice what it says. For thou hast magnified your word above your name. He thinks a lot of his name, but he thinks more of his word. 
In the day when I cried, you answered me and strengthened me with the strength in my soul. That's humility, because he didn't have it. He didn't have the strength in his soul, and he went to the Lord and asked him, and he believed God's word. Oftentimes we don't. We don't believe uh, God's word. But going back to Matthew 6, it's, it's it's an exclusive relationship that we have. Exclusive. You mean to tell me that Jesus is the only way? Um, no, I don't mean to tell you that. I love saying that. And they go, oh, oh, really? I go, yeah, Jesus tells us that. He is the only one. And it's a humbling relationship. It's a humbling because when we know him and we get to know him more and more and more, we become like John became. We we don't think anything of ourselves. And when we see him face to face, and we will, when we see him face to face, that's how it's going to be. We're going to realize all the things. And that the judgment seat of Christ, man, oh man, he's going to check our motives for why we did what we did. And our Christian life, if we understand that, if we understand that, our Christian life is going to take on a different dimension. We're not going to do something because other people will see it. We do it because we love them. Our motives will be right. And uh, we'll do it because we love them. And I think once we get into eternity, we'll start to really understand greater and we'll grow into this understanding on how great his, he is and how great his salvation is. Because he has set us apart. That's what holiness is. It means to be set apart. And notice what it says about him. Our Father who art in heaven. So, hallowed be your name. And your name represents who you are. He is our Father. And we get to cry, Oh, Father Father, Abba, Father. We get to honor Him. And I think to myself, how I haven't honored Him. How I haven't done that. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't send Him a card, but you can send Him yourself. You can't send Him, you know, Happy Father's Day, here's a grill. You know, you say, Happy Father's Day every day, Here's my life. Here's my life. I give you me. And it's sinful and as wicked as I am, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. You have redeemed me in spite of me. And as I've said this before many times, but as my friend who is with the Lord now, I'm sure Jim Russell used to say, God knows the absolute worst about you, and yet he still loves you. How can we come into his presence? How can we come into this sinful being, come into a holy God? It's because of the blood of Christ. We've been adopted into his family, and whereby we get to cry, Abba, oh Father, Father, wow, wow. Powerful stuff, I think. And so that really, 
you know, we just don't say, Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You used to get 5,000 Our Fathers, you know, during confession. <laughs> you ex Catholics know exactly what I'm talking about, I hope. Um, you know, I used to say those things all the time. That's not what. <laughs> I want you to say 7,000 Our Fathers, Chris, and I want you to. And uh, 40,000 Hail Marys and all that kind of stuff, right? He used to say, Our Father, and it just is a road. It just comes off. He's not teaching that. He is saying, Honor the Father. Honor the Father. Understand who you are in your relationship to Him and what He has done for you, whereby we can cry, Abba. Father, where we can cry, oh, Father, and it's legitimate. We're not doing it as uh, he's going to judge us uh, and send us to the lake of fire. He's not going to do that to his own. Never will he do that to his own. And then notice what he says here. He says, he says not only a relationship, but, wow, man, it's just so much to give on this. I'm thinking of Romans chapter 8, verse 30 and following. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And then what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Right? We, we know those passages. We know that. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> we just, we revel in those. And those passages that, in which he'll never leave us nor ever forsake you. Uh, and then, so I may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man will do unto me. And then not only a relationship, but also it speaks of worship. It's based off of his holiness. Hallowed be thy name. You are holy. You are separated. There is no one like him. And when you talk about holiness with God, you talk about his uniqueness. We have a unique. There's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. Islam can't even come close. I mean, nobody is like, everybody else is demonic. That's really true. That's what the scriptures have to say. And then we worship him based off of his word. Um, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. I want his will. What's his will in heaven? I want it here. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Psalm 139, we looked at 138 verse 2, but 139, I'd like us to look at verse specifically. That's one of the great Psalms. Uh, They're all great. They're all inspired, right? But I love this. Yes, the darkness hides not from you. The night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto you. He knows us. He can see us. He has this. And so we look at this and we say, wow, Lord, it's based off of your word. Your word tells us that you see through it all. I have... Two friends, one's with the Lord. I actually can't believe I have friends. But uh, two friends, um, and they're both in the the defense industry. 
Uh, one is with the Lord, Ben. Ben World. Ben World was a third-party contractor for the United States government in, in radar. These guys developed, they developed how they can look through cloud cover with radar. And they can look and find out. I mean, it's so, and this stuff now, that's old, that was 30 years ago. That he told me, 30, yeah, 30, 35 years ago. That, that was, uh, that was true. I mean, so, I mean, this is unbelievable. <laughs> God's gaze on us cuts through everything. You know, he cuts through everything. No, there's no wall too thick. There's no lead too thick that can hide from his gaze, from him. And this is how it is. And our worship is based on his name. The name of Jesus and the name of God, our Father, his name. I, this is why we say when you pray, I mean, the Lord Jesus said, you pray in his name. Ask anything in my name and I will give it. So what does that mean? You know, it's, it's, it is a little trite little saying and you've got to produce? No. No, it's not at all. What it is, is, is that we are honoring Him. We're praying in His name because we're praying on who He is and what He has done for us. And we are humble and it's a relationship. And that's praying in His name. We pray in the name of Jesus. What has he done for us? We thank you. What are you doing for us? We thank you. We're being saved. We've been saved. And we're being saved. And we will be saved. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And we are just uh, enamored with who he is that his name represents. And then also the to tighten this up a little bit is to, you know, the Lord's Prayer speaks of lordship. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. There is going to be only one person that we will worship in the future. And that's him. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And there's no unrighteousness at all. You know, the closer you examine Chris Schroeder, the less you like him. Maybe that's why I don't have friends, you know. But the, and that would be true, I hate to say this, but of you, you too, right? Sorry, you know, you go, oh man, I can see the warts. Uh, you got uh, this problem and uh, halitosis and you've got whatever, right? But the more you examine him, the closer you examine our God, the more you like him. Because he's the real deal. He's the real deal. And then we have that fellowship that is just incredible. 
Give us this day our daily bread. We fellowship with the Lord. He provides everything. He gives us everything. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others of their sins as well. Debts, forgive us. And that's, that's a whole other issue in terms of forgiveness with other people and uh, understanding that we have been forgiven. And so we will forgive others. Yeah, man. What a great, what a great God we have. And I, I just want to say to the Lord, Oh, Father, Father, happy Father's Day. And I don't want to just say it. I want to live it. I want to live it. Father, we just do come before you and we thank you. And we're glad that we can call you Father. And that you call us your children. And we are so, so thankful. And ask you, Lord, from this time forth, that we would be humble and that we would come to you every moment and let you be Lord of our lives because you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.